0: Welcome back to Obstacles Under the Surface with Katie Wenger. Today, I'm going to be talking with Lindsay McGovern, therapist and OCD expert, obsessive compulsive disorder, which we'll call OCD, on challenging OCD thoughts and symptoms Today, I have on Lindsay McGovern, who specializes in clients with symptoms or who are diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And she'll go into that a little bit more for those of you who haven't heard of that or aren't very familiar with what that causes in an an individual and really how difficult it can be for someone going through that. Lindsay is a licensed therapist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and California. So she can take clients from any of those states, which is super helpful that, you know, it's more than a lot of people are licensed in one, maybe two states, but Lindsay is able to cover three. And she has over two decades of experience in the mental health field. She knows that OCD can hold you back from fully engaging in the life that you want to live. I have definitely seen that in clients as well and know that it can be quite devastating. She mentions that you want all the things, love, family, work, and everything else, And symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder, which we'll call OCD, kind of leaves you feeling depleted and hopeless probably a lot of the time. And being able to work with someone like Lindsay and transform from what she calls surviving to thriving really can be life-changing. So thanks again for being here, Lindsay. I'm glad to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Um, Thank you for giving me this space to talk more about OCD, as I think it is, you know, often not very well understood in our society. So I'm incredibly happy to be here with you today. Thank you. So
0: if you would tell us about your practice, who you work with, and and really what's important for people to know about OCD and how it's treated.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, as you had stated, you know, I'm a licensed therapist um, who has a solo private practice. Um, I am fully virtual. And as you stated, you know, I serve the three states, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and California. I specialize in treating OCD. I also see clients with anxiety disorders, um, but I have to say that the vast majority of my clients do have a diagnosis of OCD. Um, And it really is my goal for those with OCD to feel seen, to feel more understood, and to really understand that they can get better. Um, Because as you had noted earlier, right, a lot of people with OCD feel a sense of hopelessness. Um, they are under a great deal of distress. And, you know, I will get into this in a little bit, a little bit more, but it is so uh, uh, misunderstood in society that a lot of people don't seek help, right? And so a lot of people are going are this alone. And so we're really hoping to change that. Yeah, it's tough
0: to feel alone when you're going through anything like this, and particularly when you are, you know, kind of questioning what more you can be doing, which isn't really a fair thing to do to yourself. Um, It's important to have self-compassion, of course, and it's it's painful, you know, going through this
1: absolutely you know and you know OCD often does bring a a lot of shame you know a lot of confusion for the individual who is suffering and so yeah you know practicing self compassion um doesn't na- you know necessarily come naturally to the person who's suffering right um because the what they are experiencing feels so it's oftentimes, so shameful. Right. So, just to kind of put it simply, just in case, you know, people are listening and who don't, who aren't very familiar with OCD, um, just to put simply what it is, it's a mental health condition that's characterized by intrusive and frequent obsessions that result in a person engaging in compulsions in an attempt to lessen the distress they're feeling. Right. So, you know, I have an intrusive thought, right, um, that is really, really distressing to me. And I give that thought a lot of power and meaning. Why am I having this thought? This isn't, you know, this thought isn't aligned with my values. It's not aligned with my beliefs. The person then has an urge to do some sort of compulsion in order to relieve themselves from the distress they're experiencing, And so once the person engages in a compulsion, what's happened unintentionally is that sent the message to the brain, right? That that thought held meaning. That thought was very likely or very possibly a real threat, right? So now when the thought, you know, the intrusive thought comes back up, the urge to do a compulsion typically only intensifies. And the more compulsions we do, the more intrusive, distressing thoughts we tend to experience, and hence the OCD cycle ensues.
0: That's really helpful for people to know because if they, as you said, do start off with doing a compulsion to, and they find it eases how they're feeling, naturally our brain is going to reinforce and make that connection that this is what you need to do whenever you feel this way. And pushing back against that can be really uncomfortable and anxiety provoking.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of my, you know, kind of favorite sayings in relation to OCD is what we resist persists, right? And so, Yes. The more we um resist you know allowing really distressing thoughts and OCD can also be you know um really distressing sensations and feelings and even automatic images that pop to mind it's not necessarily only thoughts but um as those come come about they pop up if we're resisting their presence right We're going to respond in a way that's unintentionally not helpful. And of course, you know, what we resist persists, right? So we end up having more of them, which once again can feel incredibly, incredibly challenging for the person, as you're saying, right? Because it's natural for them to, for the person to engage in the compulsion, to lessen that distress in the moment, but then they find themselves stuck in this really, really, really debilitating cycle that can be challenging to get out of, incredibly challenging.
0: Do you find that people that are engaging in the obsessions and compulsions sometimes don't have that awareness of it, but the people closest to them, the people around them, their loved ones pick it up and are distressed
1: by it? So interestingly enough, I actually find more of the opposite to be true. Not that family members don't also see physical compulsions occurring, which, right, many, many do, right? Um, But oftentimes because compulsions are mental as well and they go unseen, They're not visible to the eye. They're not visible to the other people not experiencing them. That a lot of people, even people close to the person suffering, like close family members, people you live with, if you have a roommate, don't understand the extent to which OCD is impacting the person's life. So, you know, if the person is engaging in physical compulsions, and you named a couple, you know, like locking doors, or um, if we're checking the stove, if we're washing our hands, um, these compulsions that are very visible to the eye, the family members, right, might become more concerned um, more quickly. Whereas if the person's engaging in a lot of mental compulsions, the person may be suffering alone for a very long time.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And would what we call magical thinking be, you know, come into play with this as well? That thought that, you know, not only if I do this, it will relieve this distressing feeling that I'm having. But if I do this, this bad thing that I'm worried about happening won't happen.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, magical thinking isn't uncommon um, in, in people who suffer with OCD. Um, and yeah, it can show up in in a, kind of a multitude of ways. But like an example is, yes, that, you know, um, if, I, if I have this thought, it means this thing will happen, right? And if I don't gauge in a compulsion to counteract it just by the mere, you know, existence of the thought this bad thing will happen right and by able by being able to replace even let's say a negative thought with a positive thing okay now this positive or more positive thing will happen right which we know thoughts don't hold that power right but it can sure feel to the person right that that they do. And, you know, oftentimes people with OCD will say, you know, I I understand that doesn't sound rational. Like there's obviously the understanding that it's not rational, but why take the chance, right? Like if there's any doubt, why take the chance? And so lots of times people are coming from that place as well, right? I just don't want to risk it the risk is too great, right? If I fear something bad will happen to a loved one and I don't engage in the compulsion, you know, that's just, it's too risky to bear. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Why risk it? You know, if if the chance of, of something bad happening, I think that's how our brain interprets it. Yeah. And, you know, I know that some people do have this present from childhood, do you find that that
1: is most people or can it develop later on in life? Yeah, it sure can. I I do find in my work that, you know, oftentimes adults come um, to me with quite strong awareness of the OCD being present in their childhood and being able to look back and see the ways um, OCD was present that they weren't even really aware of at that time or that was kind of they normalized, right? They didn't recognize it as OCD. It just, it kind of was what it was, right? Right.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like if it always was that way, you may not recognize it as not healthy or causing you distress.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Yep, 100%. And so oftentimes it is an adulthood, right, where um, they come across, you know, something with OCD or um, it becomes more debilitating at a certain point. And then there's kind of this greater recognition of like, oh, wow, you know, OCD has come up in my life, you know, in all of these different ways. And it's not uncommon for OCD to ebb and flow over the course of a lifetime, right?
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, you know, we, we kind of name it as a chronic condition, but what that actually looks like for each individual can be very different, right? In terms of um, how well the symptoms are being managed and really minimized. Right. And so, but yeah, I mean, someone can go through a really stressful life event and it's not surprising then that there would be an uptick of OCD again.
0: That definitely makes sense. Do you find much of a correlation with trauma during childhood or loss during
1: childhood and developing OCD symptoms? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So OCD can, you know, exist separate of Um, kind of what we call big T trauma, right? Kind of very significant traumatic events in our life. Um, However, um, OCD can definitely um, begin and or exacerbate trauma. That is also not uncommon at all. Um, So both things can be true. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, sometimes we find that the compulsions are an attempt to make sure the bad thing that occurred prior in their past, right, doesn't occur again, right? So which yeah. mm mm-hmm.
0: Mhm. And some of maybe most of the examples that we see on movies are really at the higher end of the spectrum of OCD. Like it doesn't have to be persistent checking and constant preoccupation. There, My understanding is there can be different levels and I bring that up because I want people to know that using some of the strategies to help with obsessive or compulsive symptoms can still be helpful even if you're not that picture of, you know, someone that it defines their whole life, like, can be portrayed in movies.
1: Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. And there are also, you know, individuals. who say, you know, I didn't have, you know, I, there wasn't OCD um, symptoms in my childhood, right? It maybe they're in their twenties, um, an event occurred, and. It began after that. And, you know, I think as you're noting as well, right, with any condition, symptoms can be mild all the way to very severe, right? And so some people may be experiencing, um, you know, more mild symptoms where they're functioning well. Most people wouldn't even, you know, recognize that there was a concern, um, and so, yeah, absolutely. It can kind of go unnoticed. I I think too, Katie, along that lines, I think what's really important to talk about is kind of the misconceptions in society. And I, I think this is improving, but there is still a lot of, I think, confusion out there that OCD really is this um, condition focused on just either cleanliness and, you know, germs, right. organization, or, you know, some fear of harm happening where the compulsions are like checking the stove, the oven, the, the doors, um, you know, really that is such a small sliver of OCD, you know, OCD um has many 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 subtypes. And there are a lot of different fears surrounding OCD that a lot of people do not understand and I think that's the other reason where why people don't kind of come out and share their experience because it's not what a lot of people think it is, right?
0: Yeah, that makes sense that they feel like they don't fit in that box, so to speak. And so, what they're experiencing is something that they may just internalize and have negative self talk about, which is extremely damaging and painful if you can figure out really what the root is and know that you know, what is this and how do I, what's the best way for me to heal from it so that I feel better and I don't have to continue going through this.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think what you just said there about, you know, it's just easy to internalize um, because there's the lack of understanding what it is. Right. Um, And obviously that brings on that shame and, guilt and um, depression oftentimes, right? So yeah. themes of OCD can include, you know, fear of being a pedophile, right? Fear of um, harming or killing our children. Um, fear of um, uh, not being the sexuality that you, th- you think you are. Fear of f- losing control and committing suicide, um, fear of kind of existential OCD, of fear of kind of this sense of reality and what the meaning of life is, um, and to be honest, it goes on and on and on. All the different ways OCD can show up, and so you know a lot of those types of themes aren't aren't really portrayed in the media, right? We don't really hear a right. lot about those. And so if you're fearing, if you're having a lot of intrusive thoughts that you're a pedophile, unless you're familiar with POCD, it's very likely, right, that you will internalize having those thoughts as this is a you problem, right? This is something wrong with you. And I carry a lot of shame around that.
0: Yes, I'm sure. And that is probably a very difficult one to talk about even in therapy because it's it's difficult to say that out loud to admit that but it is it's sh- it shouldn't be something that someone has to continue suffering through
1: yeah yeah ab- absolutely 100% you know and i think another important piece um just to share a little bit about um, for people who are less familiar with the condition of OCD is that ego or excuse me, OCD is egodystonic, right? So it means that it's kind of picking up your values and to be honest, kind of using them against you. So the really distressing thoughts and images that you're experiencing are actually kind of contradictory to what you value. In what you believe, right? So if my strongest yeah. value is my children and I'm having these really distressing, intrusive, repetitive, automatic thoughts about killing my child, it's very, right, contradictory to what my actual true values are, hence why it feels so incredibly distressing, right? And why there's such, so, yeah. you know, little acceptance of those thoughts existing because it's truly picking on what you value most, which is why, right, once again, it can be just incredibly debilitating.
0: Yes, I I can imagine how painful that must be, and to feel like you have to go on suffering through it is not necessary. And I try to put this out there as often as possible even though I think it's something that a lot of people know loosely about therapy and therapists is that part of our job is to to not be judgmental. So therapy really is the place to talk about anything in your thoughts and emotions and anything that you're experiencing or going through because that is the place and we part of our training is how to put that human aspect of judgment aside and I think people really you know span the the realm on that too like how judgmental one person is versus another can be quite different but that is not something that we're sitting there thinking. We're thinking of compassion for you and empathy and what strategies
1: can be offered to help you heal and feel better. Yes, absolutely. And I have to say, I mean, one of the most kind of simple um <laughs> it's not even a tool really right it's just naturally occurring in therapy but that has so much impact is that when someone with ocd shares their what they're considering these really shameful thoughts or images and you as a therapist offer that compassion back right and there isn't this shock there's not even really surprise at all, right? I've I've heard every, you know, possible intrusive thought under the sun, right, over the course of years. Like I don't think anything someone could say that could shock me, right? That even I think seeing the therapist's face and just the compassion being offered, even like just not verbally, is just can be really astounding for clients because Lots of people haven't, you know, lots of people suffering with OCD haven't shared, you know, to that to that degree, the intrusive thoughts, the content of the intrusive thoughts. And to see it be received in that way can just be such a shift in and of itself.
0: I think that's so important for so many people to hear. Lindsay, can you talk about... um relationship
1: OCD and what challenges that presents? Yes, absolutely. So relationship OCD is a pretty common subtype theme of OCD. And in relationship OCD, oftentimes the fear is centered around, um, is this the right relationship? Could there be a better, more perfect relationship for me? Um, And it can kind of pick up, can get kind of nitty gritty with regards to the actions of either person um, in the relationship to kind of uh, assess, right, whether or not that is true. So for example, right, um, uh, am am I attracted to my partner, right? Or it can even be... um, Uh, the person who has OCD is talking to a person of, let's say um, of, you know, that's attractive. And then they have intrusive thoughts of, oh, did I cheat? Did I cross the line? Right. Did I do something? Right. Um, And looking for a lot of reassurance um, within the relationship, possibly doing confessing with regard to their own behavior Um, So it can focus on either or both the person with OCD's behavior or their partner's behavior.
0: I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, wouldn't know. And that, that confessing part is, is very interesting because, it can really maybe start a whole spiral. I would think between two people when you are confessing to thoughts or fears that you think you might have related to cheating, but it's not something that you have done. It's, It brings things up in the other person often, I think, though I do believe in being completely transparent and you should have an emotional bond in your relationship where you you can talk about some of these things, but it almost comes back to that unnecessary self-punishment of, I feel like I should confess to this, even though not being faithful is not an issue for you
1: yes exactly and the dynamic that creates right between the partners and this that kind of additional stress that puts on the relationship um can be incredibly challenging right um with our ocd in particular also an understanding the the partner in the partner's understanding of ocd and How they're responding to the person with OCD is really important, right? Because even if the person, the partner understands that their loved one, right, has OCD, it it can be very hard not to take these things personally or to kind of start questioning, is this actually their OCD or... Did they actually cross the line or do something inappropriate? Or do they actually not necessarily think I'm attractive? Or do they not necessarily think this relationship is right? And kind of just like any other theme with OCD, it can feel incredibly confusing of what is, you know, kind of normative and typical to put some thought into, right? And to kind of think further about. these questions versus what is now engaging in mental compulsions around it, right? Because a lot of times people with, you know, ROCD will say, but everyone thinks about their relationship this way, right? Most people question, they talk to friends, they talk to other people and say, well, what's normal for you, right? And so kind of this line between what's kind of typical behavior, And doubt in relationships versus our OCD can feel very murky for people.
0: And I can see how that would be hard to find where that line is without processing it in therapy with a neutral person.
1: Absolutely. Yes. 100%. 100%. Yes. Because there are behaviors, right? It's not all or nothing, right? There's behaviors that are typical, right? I mean, you kind of think of contamination OCD. It's not like hand-washing isn't a normal behavior, right? Most compulsions are also normal behaviors that we engage in without having OCD, right? it's the intensity, it's the frequency, it's the, the, um, the desire to bring down the feelings of distress in that moment, right? And so one good indicator for is this a compulsion is does it feel urgent, right? Do I need to engage in this behavior, right, to bring down the distress in this moment? Um, because if it doesn't feel urgent, if you feel calm, if you could talk about something productively or wait until like three days to ask the question, most likely then it isn't a compulsion.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point and a good measure. And was going to be my next question to you is what would you recommend be the first steps if you think you may be suffering from OCD or these related symptoms?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my number one recommendation would definitely be to see a therapist, um, to understand more and um, get a formal diagnosis if in case or, you know, in the case that you do actually have OCD. Um, and the reason for that, right, is because we, we do have to understand um, what it is that is occurring within us, right? I mean, there's a there is a difference in how we would treat, let's say, generalized anxiety or some other anxiety disorder versus OCD. And so, seeing um, a therapist who's knowledgeable in you know anxiety disorders and OCD could be incredibly helpful, right? So you have that basis of knowledge, and then obviously can understand kind of your treatment goals from there and how OCD is treated. Um, but that's what I say is always kind of step one, right? And I think it is also good because there are a lot of general therapists out there. And like I said about OCD often being misunderstood, if you think you may have OCD, it is a good question to ask um, the therapist that you're looking at starting to see, you know, what is your um, kind of background with OCD? Not that they necessarily have to Treating only OCD, but that they feel really confident in the disorder, um, very helpful. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's that's extremely important. And you also offer online courses for people to go through self-paced to help work through some of this as well, right?
1: Yes, I um, have an online course called Peace from OCD. Um, it's about two and a half hours um, and includes a downloadable workbook that you would be walking through um, while you're engaging in kind of the, the obviously the a uh, presentation with me, so I'm kind of walking it through with you. Um, so it's definitely something that's kind of accessible, affordable, convenient, easy to do at home. It. My goal in doing that was having something um, for people who are hesitant in seeking a therapist and sharing what they're experiencing. Who you know are stopping getting treatment because of that fear around therapy is having a a step, right? It's a stepping stone in learning about OCD, understanding exposure and response prevention, which is kind of the first line treatment for OCD. I talk about acceptance and the importance of acceptance, the importance of values-based decisions, and um, doing some exercise around understanding our core values and our whys. Um, And Self-compassion, because obviously self-compassion is also an incredibly important part of this work as well.
0: Very true. And so I will put a link to Lindsay's website with this podcast and on social media. And on there, you can find information about how to reach out to Lindsay for therapy or to Order and take advantage of her online course, which definitely seems helpful and um, could be an option if you're, for whatever reason, not able to work with Lindsay or another OCD specialized therapist. But you can still get some of that specialized education that can help you understand more what you're going through and what could be helpful to start with. Thank you so much for coming on today, Lindsay. I really appreciate all your information. And I think you gave people a better idea of, you know, your personality and how you work with people and just your high level of compassion. That's really wonderful to find in a therapist.
1: Thank you so much, Katie. It was such an honor to be on your and your um, show. And I really, really, once again, appreciate having this, you know, space and time to talk about this disorder. So thank you.
0: Yes, of course. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me today, along with Lindsay McGovern, therapist and OCD expert. She specializes in providing therapy to driven millennial women With OCD and Anxiety. She can be found at OCD-Teletherapy.com. She also has a course online on her website. For those who may want an intro to some of the ins and outs of OCD. And what can be helpful when you are experiencing these symptoms. That is located on her website, as well as contact information for you to reach out to her for therapy. Our hope is that if you are going through this challenging disorder and symptoms, that you are able to reach out and find some professional guidance and strategies to get relief, to live a happier, healthier, and more peaceful life.